Welcome to the Restoration Church Podcast. To learn more about our church, give, share a prayer request, or access our weekly worship guide, visit us at www.restorationlex.com slash this week. As we move into summer as a church, we, we wanted to take an opportunity to pause and to speak to kind of where we are um, as, as a church family. I, I'm looking around a room of people here today who've joined us at various points in our story. Uh, some of you who've been here since before day one, some of you here for the first time, uh, you're experiencing this. And, and, and however you've joined us, whether that maybe was during video during the pandemic or joined us after, which I know many of you have too, um, I, I'm just really, really grateful what God has brought together through a variety of seasons that our church has walked through. And just to give you a little picture of our story from the beginning, we planted Restoration in January of 2017. You can see a picture here on the screen there. That was at Grace Baptist Church. We met on, uh, on at 5.30 at night, which was awesome in theory until you re- realize that we have kids and that's awful on Sunday nights. It's just really hard. And we were looking for a spot where we could move to Sunday mornings. And we moved into this space in December of 2017. We were in grace for 11 months. And really, I think that's where God began to really put down roots in us as a church after we uh, began there. You can see here, that was one of our first Sundays, I believe we have there at the Lyric. Um, and we As we moved into this facility, we not only grew numerically, we grew deeper in our mission for what God was doing, not only in this neighborhood, but beyond and through community groups and various things that was happening um, in that season. And let me tell you, when we moved into the year 2020, things had so much momentum that we were seeing tons and tons of, of growth. And then on March 14th, 2020, I made a video and put on Facebook and said, guess what? Uh, we're not meeting this Sunday thinking, oh, this will be maybe a week or two, a couple months. We did not meet in person, if you didn't know this, for 57 weeks straight. We moved to house churches. This is a city-owned facility. We had no choice. So we did videos on Sunday. We invested in community during those times. And by God's grace, we actually grew during that time. We got a lot of you who joined us during that time, amazing people. And so it was As hard as that season was, it was a fruitful season in a strange sort of way. But even coming back, many of you remember that there was so much complexity and challenge. You see a picture here of all our chairs spaced out. We had to build these uh, glass containers basically for musicians. And for me, I was the only one allowed to put my mask down and stand in front for about 30 minutes and then put it back. I mean, there was going into Sunday mornings so many complexities. We, we wanted to understand, understandably take the pandemic seriously, but on top of that, we had other complexities with working in a city-owned facility, but man, we got through it, didn't we? We kept going, and we got through it and continued to see it. And so here we are in our sixth year, and, and in this sixth year, it, it feels like the first time things have been normal in a very long time. Uh, and so in that, in that thought of finally catching our breath really as a church, and we want to take a moment here today and look to our future as we move into this summer together. We've been in the process over the last year or so behind the scenes of talking about what it looks like to lay a healthy foundation for our 
future, including reassessing, reassessing our vision as a church, putting structures and systems in place that better serve who God has called us to be together, and better stewarding our leadership for the church as well. And this is especially important because many of you have been texting me about all of the documentaries you've been watching about a thousand different churches and, and crazy stuff. You, many of you in person or nationally have had bad experiences with church leadership, haven't you? You've been hurt deeply. For whatever reason, we didn't plan this, but for whatever reason, restoration has become a place of healing for people coming out of ministry, coming into a season of rest. And I love that about this church. Many of you are here and you've been burnt and you've had experiences that have been very painful and this is a place where you can just be and I love that I love that and because we want to steward well because we understand people's experiences have not always been good we want to take a moment today and talk about our leadership and what it means to lead a church in a healthy way introduce you to our elders, and then today, um, kind of talk together about some ways that we're praying for our future. So, depending on your church background, you've had different experiences with how a church is led. I was thinking this morning of the day where my pastor growing up moved the pulpit down one step one day because he wanted to be closer to the congregation. This was not a big stage, this was not a big church, but he thought this massive pulpit what if I just move it down this one foot step just to get a little bit closer? A vote was called to move the pulpit back up to the step because it made the congregation uncomfortable with him being that close. So you've had maybe some different experiences with congregational voting. Maybe your experience with church leadership is no experience at all. There's just this sort of shadow group that makes all the decisions behind the scenes that you've never heard of and you've never met. I don't know. It could have been very healthy. It could have been unhealthy. And what we want to do today is introduce how we do leadership without saying that everyone else is evil and wrong in that. However, most people do leadership. Most people are doing the best they can. I think the way we're operating this is biblical and healthy and whole, but we're not downing other churches for the way they do things. In the, in the New Testament, it talks about the church being led by something called elders. It's often translated as overseer. These are leaders who guard and protect and care for the needs of the church. Don't think of this like an organization or like an empire where they're at the top and everybody else is at the bottom. When you are called into this kind of leadership, you are lead servant. You're the one who goes first. J.R. Briggs in his book about this, he says that an elder is not a domineering, power-wielding position. Overseers are not overlords. They are servants in their role of supervision and oversight of an entire congregation entrusted to their care by God to steward appropriately. Elders are the lead servants. We are the one, the lead repenters, the lead servants in the process of how we are becoming Christ-like together. Men and women whose leadership and example 
guide the direction and the integrity of the body of Christ. There are two primary passages that speak about this in the New Testament. Uh, I'm only going to look at one of them today for time's sake, and this is the one that's really been pressing in in my heart, and I've been kind of wrestling with and, and meditating on here recently. Titus 1, 7 and 9 says this. It says, since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. What you see here is not this arbitrary list of moral qualifications. What you're seeing actually is a picture of Christ-like maturity. It is describing as we grow in Christ as leaders the kind of people we become. It's not as if this kind of lifestyle is something we only want a certain group of people in the church to live out. No. Wouldn't it be great if everyone could be said to be, have that kind of Christ-likeness? These are the people who go first in leadership in becoming more and more like Jesus. And like Paul are able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. They are not perfect examples, amen, but they are living examples. They are people willing to put their lives, for better or worse, in repentance and in joy to lead the way in the congregation towards Christ-likeness. There's a lot of reason why I believe that leading as a team of elders is biblical, but let me make the primary reason why we do this as a team. It's because I can be, and I have been, and I will be wrong. Stop. <laughs> and while I may, as pastor, I may discern what God is doing among us on our own, I can trust that the same Holy Spirit that's in me is in the people I'm leading with. And so if I'm missing it, if I'm out of bounds, if I'm getting it wrong, I have a permission, I have a team of people who have permission to not only call me out, but to tell me no. And let me tell you, that's good news. That's good news. You don't want one guy, one dude, that is the end-all, be-all of everything. That's not how the church was meant to exist. The aim of an elder team is Jesus-shaped, spirit-empowered leadership through shared discernment, accountability, and prayer. And I'm proud of the team that we have that you're gonna meet here today. I'm very proud of them for a couple of reasons. First, we've gathered a group of strong, faithful, Christ-like people who certainly aren't afraid to tell me the truth. Because sometimes I do get it wrong. Sometimes my head can get in the clouds and I get big grand ideas and someone needs to say, Earth to Justin, where are we at? Ask the elders. They know. And I love that my weaknesses are met by others' strengths and that my strengths are, can meet others in weakness. And as a body together, we can lead and form a congregation that is moving towards Christ-likeness together. The second reason I love this team 
is, is that this is a group of just humble, normal people. They're not big all-stars, and they wouldn't claim to be. They're just normal, everyday people like you who have stepped into humbly this calling together. And, and I see this as an opportunity for you to not only meet them, but to hear where we're going together. So I want to welcome them now. Chad, Becca, Walt, Shannon, and Brian, come on up. Let's get my hand. Who's going to get the comfy seat? Chad, oh. Oh, he's going to Railbird later. Well, I'm going to ignore that. Lucky. So, real quickly, let's briefly introduce yourselves, who you are, family, what you do, things like that. Why don't we start down here on the end there? Yeah, there's the microphone right there. All right, good. Uh, yeah, still good morning. How y'all doing? My name is Walt Rohr. You might recognize that last name. Don't already know me. Uh, me and my wife, Vicki, back there at the sound, our computer, with Justin's parents, Andrew, well, there he is back there. Yes, uh, been a part of this church since day one, uh, all six years of it, I guess a little past that. Anyway, uh, I just retired from KU one year ago on Thursday, 42 years of service from KU. Woo! So now I'm spending a lot of my time trying to be at the smoker, smoking some good uh, like ribs, which I did yesterday, which were awesome. Uh, I do mow on the golf course on occasion for Andrew, help him out. Uh, yes, uh, I, I am a, yes, sorry, I, I, they're, they're the biggest, most exciting thing for me now in life is my grandchildren. I have four grandkids, uh, Isaiah, Noah, Henry, and Emmy, Emmy of course being the boss, but uh, I, of course, two great daughter-in-laws and Erica and Sheena, Sheena works of course with the kids. But uh, got a great family, been blessed tremendously, and I have a great church family, too. I don't know how I'm going to follow Walt, I mean. I know. He also loves dog sitting. Just going to leave that there. That's why I didn't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Becca Jeffries, and this is my husband in the pink shirt. Woo. And we have two boys, four and eight. I'm a teacher. I've been here at Restoration since before it was restoration, yeah. I guess, yeah. long time. Uh, we also have a dog, Bruno, and he was Bruno before the song. He's 10 years old. If you know, you may not know what I'm talking about if you don't have kids, but. Um, <laughs> oh, we do. I think that's it. Anything yeah. else I'm supposed to say? You're a teacher? I said I'm a teacher, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Walt gave a lot, so sorry, oh, but. Yeah. <laughs> I love my church family. I feel like there I should add that because Walt did. I'm Shannon Gabe, my husband Ed and I have been a part of Restoration for about two and a half years now. And uh, professionally, I co-own a small market research firm. So my work week is a mix of running a small business and actually doing market research studies, which I love. Surveys are my passion. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm Brian May. And uh, my wife, my better half, is Kathy in the back. Woo! I get reminded of that a lot. So, um, <laughs> I've been going to restoration for since the beginning, minus, I don't know, two or three years, something yeah. like that. Um, and I run a division for a mortgage company here. You have 
have kids. And I have two adult children. Yes. And a dog. And a dog. Yes, a dog, which I love to death. Clearly. <laughs> We're all liars. <laughs> That's a good way to start off. I'm Chad Bowman. Uh, I have been here with my wife, Karen, and three daughters and two female dogs, which is why she told me a couple years ago I can have a truck and nobody can mess it up. So that's why. Um, but we've been here almost since the beginning. I think we came in about five or six months after restoration started, still at Grace uh, Baptist uh, when we were still there. And um, yeah, I've been an elder for most of that time, I guess. And I am a real estate agent and a real estate investor in my fun free time. Most of the time I just run around chasing our kids. Nice. Well, I want to also mention before we move forward too, like uh, there have been those who've been on our elder team prior to today that some of you knew or didn't know that have been a part of serving. You don't see up here, but people like Dan Ott, um, Laura Marie Thompson, uh, Kelly Gore, folks who have been really integral to that. And even though they're not here, some are moved or are moving or aren't here anymore. All uh, we we are a part of of a group of people who have been leading behind the scenes for a long time, and Ch Chad even too. Chad's transitioning here in the near future off of the elder team and, and uh, moving into some other leadership responsibilities here at the church as well. So it's a, it's a constant uh, flux of, of leadership, but this team right here has been with us for, and, and I'll have this, this group for probably about a year, two years together. So, um, except for Shannon. Oh yeah, you're new. So, yeah. So, I would love to ask some questions and just have you guys uh, throw it out here and, and share. So first, um, I'd love someone to share what do you love about our church family? They hear it from me, but what do you guys love about our, our church family here? I'll start with that one. Um, when I gave this thought, like my obvious answer was, well, I just love walking in and talking to everyone and getting to know everyone. And the people here are so amazing, but I really started to give that some more uh, some more thought about, well, but what is it that I love about all the people at this church? And what I've decided is that the thing that makes this community very special is that we're not only welcoming, we're glad people show up, but we're also very inviting. And I've had that um, experience very personally over the last two and a half years from my very first uh, moment of jumping in to um, attending something at Restoration, and that was online. I felt more than just, you're, you know, we're glad you're here. I felt, hey, come join us. Um, and that has increased over time. Um, my very second experience with Restoration um, was still online, and it was a, um, a, a racism book study that Justin led. And it was very challenging, and it was a way for me to get to know people, but along the way, we were all inviting each other toward, um, you know, increased understanding and wholeness and growth in our spiritual journeys, and I feel like that's been my experience here that really makes it stand apart from my experience in past churches. Um, I've been a part of church since I was nine years old and been very involved in a lot of different churches, and I've had a, a wonderful faith and growth journey through all of those experiences, but what really sets restoration apart for me is that the people in this community, even my one-on-one -on -one interactions with most of you have resulted in my feeling truly invited to something bigger than me, to something that I can't do by myself, to growth that I wouldn't experience if I didn't have that interaction. And I mean, I'm looking out here at faces and every one of you has, has invited me to grow with you. And I just really appreciate that. 
had to jot some notes down, sorry. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm phasing out of this, but I asked if I could so that I could focus more on some things that I care very deeply about, one of which is uh, community. So I have three trigger words that I'm gonna mention that are, I like to say that to Justin, just to freak him out. No, um, there were three thoughts, and as I was going through them, I was like, these are kind of triggering things, but they're part of our story. So the first, to take it back, is from uh, things that I love about the church is how we handle things during the pandemic. So while we couldn't meet in person, there are a lot of you that are here because of how we handled not only the pandemic, but a lot of the uh, racial justice issues and things that were going on very prominently. They're still obviously and have always been. But thinking through like the fact that we, we didn't fight people, we just adapted. And that's kind of who we are is rather than say, you're right, you're wrong, or whatever, we tried to focus on taking care of people. So that was a large push of what even our, our messages and messaging was during that time was think about your own story, think about your family needs, think about your community needs and your personal needs, and go after those. Go after helping people with those. Um, so uh, I think of that. The second is uh, community. So community is deeply, deeply important to me and is what I'll be helping uh, Justin focus on more with community discipleship stuff. But the, with community, we've talked about this before. We've, we've kind of led a, a, a house church within this group really for most of the time we've been here. But beyond even that group, um, we found what we always refer to as our 3 a.m. friends, which are the people you call when the worst of the worst happens and you need somebody to show up, and you just know they will. That has been our friendships here, both in our group and just in our general community within this. Um, that is something that, that all of us continue to fight for and push for, even when it's difficult. Uh, and then the third uh, trigger thing is just justice in general uh, in all of the ways. So one thing that restoration has always been known for is serving vulnerable populations. And it's not that we're up here on stage pushing that to a large degree. It's just, again, part of who we are. So when I was thinking through and I was trying to just jot these things down and I'm sitting here even putting it in as I'm looking out at faces and I'm like, oh, don't forget that. There's really too many things to mention, but um, as small of a group of, uh, uh, of a church as we are, the number of kids that have come through from adoption and foster care and kinship family relationships is huge. Uh, the focus dedicating uh, people that have dedicated their lives to serving kids and mentoring. Um, the low-income housing initiatives that speak multiple people in this group have spent their careers focusing on. Uh, things like that, things like step-by-step, -step, right? We're focusing on single moms, Amachi, Pampering Pathways, addiction recovery, uh, helping the Afghan family, and the Be the Bridge that Shannon just mentioned, which I had even totally forgot, even though it was hosted in my house, partially by my wife. Uh, so all of those things just make me realize, like, the, the people in our church are all-stars, uh, and we're just kind of here fumbling along, like, how do we help you guys? <laughs> uh, but that's what I think of when I think of restoration, or the individual stories here and the people that dedicate their lives to, to helping other people. Uh, next question I'd love to ask some of you guys to, to um, 
answer is, as we are elders, so this is a process that I know most, all of you have come along and been like, man, this is, this is not easy. <laughs> this, is, this is not just light work, and I know God challenges us in the process. What has God been teaching you about your role as an elder? What has he taught, taught him about himself, about you, about whatever that may be? Well, I don't want to call anyone out up here, but I don't know if y'all notice I'm the youngest elder here. (laughs) I don't really know if I can be called an elder. We should just say overseer for me. Is that the the biblical translation that you went over this morning? Because I'm the overseer. (laughs) Anyways, I'm saying that to say that um, I think one thing that I have learned, which I'm I'm not very good at, because if you know me, I love to talk, um, is listening. And uh, we have a lot of people here with different experiences and different perspectives and people in our church. And I often think I'm right. You can ask my husband. He he knows that. Um, And so it's really been a good exercise is like just learning how to listen better and listen first and hear the different perspectives from from the elder board and from people in our congregation. And um, deeper than that, from God, I think... As an elder, it's driven me to a deeper prayer and a deeper hunger to just feel this weight of responsibility of if I'm here trying to help make decisions and push things forward, then like I need to be on my knees listening closely to, to what God's saying and not what Becca thinks is right, even though I like to think I'm always right. Um, so it's, it's really changed my prayer life. A lot, honestly, and just trying to uh, discern what God is saying, listen to others' perspectives, and uh, then make decisions moving forward. Obviously, I'm the oldest elder here. Obviously. Next to me. Uh, But obviously, even though I'm older, I'm still learning, and God's still working on me, I'll have to admit. Uh, Here recently... I'm going to brag on my fellow elders and the prayer team at this church. They've taught me the importance and how powerful prayer is coming through. God's teaching me this through them. They're fine examples of that. But ever since here in the last, I don't know, year or so, we just, uh, and I know prayer is a very important thing. Obviously, I've learned, I know that all throughout my life. But uh, with this group, with this church, Prayer is a very, very important thing, and uh, God is teaching me to give me a refresher course on the importance of prayer and staying in contact. He wants to hear from me all the time. He wants communication with me. And I just want to tell you, there's some wonderful prayer partners in this church, people who, uh, man, they love the Lord, and this group, uh, they're teaching me. God's put me with this bunch, I believe, because I need this refresher course. Prayer is important, and I'm learning uh, just how much more important I need that in my life. And hopefully, pray for me, that will be. But uh, very important lesson for me. It's mm-hmm. good. I, and I want to honor and just say, too, how rare it is to hear a 62-year-old person say, I'm growing, and how important that is to hear. And that, you know, there's, there is, uh, Eugene Peterson says, there are only beginners in the company of Jesus. And I think there's always an opportunity for us to remember 
that we never stop moving into Christ-likeness. I love, love, love hearing that. So I'd love to just finally ask, uh, Brian, you have a microphone. What are you excited about for, for our future? I think the thing I'm most excited about is just to see what God has planned for us. Um, Walt and I are the OGs on the elder team. Nothing to do with age. just means we were here from the beginning. And for those of you that don't know, uh, we were meeting as part of another church. And when that church decided they no longer thought our campus was relevant, um, we had what, three or four weeks from that time to plan a church. And I haven't read a whole lot of church planning books, but I don't think they say three weeks is about how much time we need, right? I've read a lot of church planning books, and they don't. Okay, good. Just check it. Yeah. So when we started this church, we really had, I don't know, about three weeks to put the whole thing together. So we really put all this together on the fly, and, and how we're still here, and it's only God's grace is how we're still here. But... Now that we're kind of taking a step back and taking the time to put the structures in place, to put the teams in place that we need to really grow, I'm just excited to see what God has planned. I know Justin's going to talk about some things here in a minute that, you know, we're thinking, but, um, you know, God's the one that's going to guide us and God's the one that's going to open the doors for us, and I'm just excited about what he's going to do here. Mm. Yes. Amen. Um, I'd love to share some things I'm excited about. Do you guys want to stay up here with me or you want to go sit down? Oh, they want to go sit down? Okay, well, let's, let's thank them for coming and speaking today. I mean, just run off like that, gosh. Like the, like the kids earlier. Um, there's, there's so much I'm excited about. As Brian was saying, like, where we're at right now as a church, it's not very often. We do church. Not, it's not often that sometimes we talk about how things are going as, as a community, and to me, what it feels like right now is that we see abundance, but we want to steward that abundance well. Um, and and I, I love the growth that God is bringing in ways that we plan and ways we didn't plan. It reminds me of the picture of kind of a trellis and a vine. A vine can grow and produce, but unless it has a structure to hold that growth, to allow it to become the fullness of what it can be, that's where we see the fullness of, of, of that, of the, the, the experience of what that could be. And, and so that's what's happening in our church right now, which I'm excited about, is that the trellis is being built for the vine of the growth of what God is doing. We've been behind the scenes laying foundation, building this trellis to better sustain and support our church as we grow together. This past spring, we began to kind of formally and informally ask some of our key leaders and volunteers and staff and elders for feedback about where we are and what we're seeking together. It was super helpful for us as we moved into this process. And I want you to know that in the days ahead, uh, you'll be asked to share your feedback as well. That's coming later on, probably this summer, just because we want to hear from you about how we can better serve and equip you for the gospel in this church and so look for that here pretty soon, expecting that as well. But what I wanted to do to close today is by zooming out and giving you a picture of really what we're seeking and praying for as a community. Because we want you to join us in prayer. We want you to not, to not just come up here and say, hey, guess what? This is what we're doing. We're, we're naming need 
And we're asking you to move into this in prayer with us. Jesus made this promise. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. As a church, what we want to do is lead from a place of dependence and expectation. Dependence and expectation. And so what we're doing today here is naming what we're bringing together to God. So here's some things we'd love for you to pray for. Three things I want to focus on today and just be honest about where we're at. First thing we're praying for is the continued development of our student ministry. This is, as you see, beginning to move towards having a larger student ministry of all the folks that are coming out. Bryony has done a fantastic job along with volunteers there on Sunday mornings, but we want to see that continue and expand. We don't have a ton of middle and high schoolers right now, but we want to make room for middle and high schoolers, not only that we have, but that we don't. And some families have come and visited with middle and high schoolers, and we want to make sure that they have a place where they can grow and flourish too. And so that's something we want to see you pray for, student ministry. Amen? Let's pray for that. The second thing is a pretty big one. We want you to pray for our future gathering space. We've been here for, at the Lyric for five and a half years. That is a very long time to be a mobile church. I'm just going to put my cards on the table with us here this morning. On one hand, renting space allows us to have financial flexibility and freedom. We are intentional about simplicity. Hopefully you've seen this right now. As much as I tried to put a fog machine under the communion table, the elders continue to say no. No, but you know this. You have seen that a value of ours, whether implicitly or explicitly communicated, is Simplicity, And a lot of that is how it's volunteer-driven, but a lot of it is we're not trying to spend lots of money making this big and bells and whistles and everything so we can use those finances for other things. But as a mobile church, it also requires twice as many volunteers to make this happen because this is not our facility. We don't have access to it during the week. Most Sunday mornings when we get in here, there has been an event the night before. And so before you probably have even got your eyes open and your first drink of coffee, we are rolling tables and moving chairs and sometimes picking up food off of this floor to make sure this is a welcoming and clean environment for you. So we're dealing with values, two values that are very important and are very true that sometimes but heads against one another. We value this place being a healing place for people who have been burnt out in ministry, who have had bad experiences. And we love the fact that some folks will come here for long periods of time and just be, and not be required to serve and jump in. Some weeks there are more talented speakers and musicians in the seats than there are up here. Some of you are awesome, <laughs> and you know that. They're awesome. But we love, and Hannah especially loves, making sure she is intent on making sure you have a place just to sit and to be and to heal. So all of these things together, dealing with our facility, we want you to know 
that we understand these limitations. While we love it here, we see the limitations with the space, we see the limitations with kids' ministry, with setup and tear down, all of it, and we want you to know, first and foremost, that we're not resting on our laurels. And for a while now, we've been formally and informally exploring all kinds of options of what might be our future. But what we want, I believe, long-term is a place that can be a tool for ministry all week long. We want a space that eases the burden on the volunteers, many of whom have been serving since the very beginning to make sure and value what we do here today. And let me tell you, as much as we name the difficulty of this setup, we do it because Jesus is risen and we need to worship and gather and celebrate what he's doing. We value gathering in worship, and that's why we make these investments, as difficult as that has been at times. We want to see a space that we can not only meet in throughout the week as a long-term spot, but a place where our kids' ministry can flourish as well. But most of all, we want what God wants. And so if we are told, we sense by the Spirit that we need to continue to stay here, we believe God is going to open up doors for creative solutions to better steward this space right here. However, whenever, we don't know yet, so we're asking you to pray. We're asking you to pray. It would be so easy to be reactionary with this issue. So easy to feel points of pain or feel points of disagreement and run towards something that long-term may immediately fix a solution but cause different issues. And yes, we always are never, we're always choosing between problems. There is no problem-free church. <laughs> You're always experiencing that. But what we're committed to do as an elder team is to hold these values together and be faithful to listen to what the Lord is leading us into. But in that, praying and asking for more. You hear me? We're praying and we are asking for more. Which brings me to the final point that we want you to pray for together. Something that has been stirring, not naming something that has been absent, but naming something that is growing and present and we want to see flourish in a deeper way. And that is we want to see our culture of prayer continue to deepen and grow. What we have found is that when we invest in prayer, there is clarity and peace there is direction. There is a renewed love for Jesus. And when we, there is a renewed love for Jesus, things become clearer. Not because we have everything figured out, but because Jesus is in front of us. Because Jesus is the standard. Because Jesus is the leader. Ultimately, I am not the lead pastor of this church. Jesus is the lead pastor of this church. And our roles as elders is to listen to what the Spirit is speaking and move us forward. And that, and that, and that, to point when strategy is not enough. There comes a point when how many good ideas you come up with is not enough. There comes a point when what you can accomplish in your own power runs up against a wall. And what I love is when you come to that point, it's good news. 
Because that's where dependence and expectation begin. So we want to see prayer become an intricate part of everything we do, not only on Sunday mornings with our prayer teams, but in every single facet of our church. And I don't have anything right now to say, here, jump in and do that. And that's because we're starting behind the scenes with our leaders. We're going first so that we can set the tone and the foundation for what God's doing in prayer in the future. Amen? That's where we're moving. And so that's what I wanted to do today as we close, is just pray. Just pray. As we lead the church together, as we seek to do this in a healthy way, I feel the weight, and I know these men and women feel the weight of what it looks like to move an organization like this, a family like this, into the future. And what I bring to you today is not the grandest of ideas, but the grandest of gods. The one who is the name above every name. The one who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The one who leads and provides in everything And I want to begin in a posture of dependence as we move towards our future together. As we move forward as well, I want you to know that everybody you see here on the stage is open to questions, is open to come talk to you, and email, everything. They'd love to talk to you about these things whatsoever if you have any questions at all. And so as we move into a time of communion, as the band comes back up, I'd just love us to do something really different today. Would you stand up? And if you would, just, just enter into a posture of expectation. Just kind of hold your hands out in front of you like this. Just receive, a receiving posture. think about in Exodus 30 where Moses says we want to go where your presence is God we don't want to go before you we don't want to fall behind you but if your presence isn't going we don't want to go and that's our prayer this morning Lord I am so grateful for the roots that you have put down for the relationships that you have built for the mission that has been stirred in the hearts of these people. And we come with dependence and expectation, trusting, trusting, trusting that you have already gone before us. We have confidence and peace in you, Jesus, with the future of this church. We have dependence and expectation, God, And so we come literally here today with open hands. Say, this is your church, Jesus. This is the church you said the gates of hell will not prevail against. And so not only in the prayer of my own heart, but in the prayer of every heart that gathers here today, every heart that listens online who's not with us today, everyone who is a part of restoration, we come before you, Lord, humbly with dependence and expectation.
and saying, lead us, good shepherd. Lead us, Holy Spirit. Lead us, servant, Savior. And we will with joy step into the future that you have for us. But God, right now, we thank you for the present. Thank you for the relationships that are being built, for the lives that are being changed. Your faithfulness in the past, your faithfulness in the present informs how we expect your faithfulness in the future. So we come knowing you will, you have been, and you will be faithful. So lead us in that, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a time to celebrate communion.